where that falls short is we often are still carrying the weight of those pains because we didn't forgive ourselves for allowing it to happen. And uh, often we'll say, well, I, you know, I didn't really allow it to happen, but in our minds, we are blaming ourselves. Why did I choose that lover? Why did I partner with that person? Why did I sign that contract, <laughs> right? Like, why did I do that? Why did I even let her become my friend? Like, we'll say that we didn't allow it. We know it was their fault, their issue, but there is a huge part of us that is shaming ourselves and hiding and shame creates more secrecy. It makes you play smaller because it's a weight. It is an anchor around your throat, holding you down deeper and deeper. And the only way to unlock it and shake it is to do the self-forgiveness work. Hello, and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast, where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host, Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos, and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Welcome to the podcast. Meet my guest, Niketa Ren Thikpen, who is on a mission to build stronger families that leave new multi-generational imprints, witness from the ripples of love, empathy, adventure, victory, and edification they create from their wholeness. Niketa is the number one balanced relationship advisor in the world, activating power couples, married women entrepreneurs, and a few bold leaders who are ready to recalibrate and own their right to be intentionally selfish to amplify relationship intimacy and live fully. After a successful career helping families push through trials caused by trauma, Niketa Renthikpen broke barriers and glass ceilings when she decided to break free from outdated expectations and binding patriarchal definitions that limit the ability to self-actualize. Formally trained as a licensed clinical social worker, Niketa architected her core professional skill set as a psychotherapist trauma specialist, sexology and relationship expert with strategically infused coaching tenets to set a new bar and create ripples inside the personal development industry. Balance Boldly podcast host and international best-selling author of the book, Selfish, Permission to Pause, Live, Love and Laugh Your Way to Joy, transformative empowerment speaker and the CEO of Thick Pro Balance Relationship Management Institute, this brilliant beauty has revolutionized how to heal traumas while balancing work life and love. Join me as I talk to her about how to be intentionally selfish. Hi, Niketa. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you join us here on the Success with Savita podcast because I know this is going to be a very interesting conversation and I have so many questions for you. Welcome aboard. Oh, thank you. I'm super, super thrilled to be here and you already know it. I'm ready to dive in. Yeah, so let's dive right in. And you know, my first question is about your story. I've been reading your book, so I know a lot more. But for our audience, tell us your story and why you chose to come into this niche of balance and relationship, this area, choose this area as your area of coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a trauma specialist for that's my foundation for almost 20 years. Before I went deeper into sexology and relationship, human behavior, 
neuroscience, like all the other things. I'm a bit of a polymath, so I cover quite a range of things, but my actual licensees are in the psychotherapy space. And when I started my company with my husband in 2011, 11 years ago, I wanted to expand myself and the way that I help other people. And being a clinician, for those of you who are listening to this and are unfamiliar, it's very state specific. Like you're restricted to working with people in the state where you're licensed. Some states offer reciprocity, which is just a matter of filling out a form and crossing it over. Some states you have to take the test all over again and do all of it. But what about globally? And I didn't want to be limited. I didn't want to be limited in who I could help and how I could help them. And I knew that although I sit on the seat of being able to listen to people empathetically and compassionately and synergize the information to help them problem solve the way any good psychotherapist would do, I knew that there were so many other layers to me. There was a coach in me. There was a strategist in me. There was a consultant in me. There's a creative in me. There were all these other parts of me that were hindered because of the field that I chose and the way that I chose to work as a clinical social worker, specifically a medical clinical social worker. My background is in the hospital systems more than anything in crisis and all of that. Uh, so when I first started, it was really just me trying to break my own box, to be quite honest. Like I realized that I was in a box. I didn't know how deep until I started to write Selfish. But I, I did get the gist that like, wait a minute, you're kind of limited in how you can help people. So how do we do this? So when my husband and I first set out to start the company, I knew from a vision I had a few years earlier, it was a self-care institute. Ultimately, I didn't want to call it that because I didn't want to be in another box, right? And people think it's only about self-care. So I really looked at where was my best self? How was I helping people? What were people coming to me for? those first few years in our business when I was trying to sell them one thing, but they were staying with me for something else. And people were coming for leadership development and professional development and all those things, but they were staying because of work-life balance challenges they had, but specifically in their love life. So we typically say work-life and love balance for that very reason, because as ambitious women, ambitious humans, period, but especially the women that I was organically, naturally attracting, just being a woman, I realized that their struggle was the competition between their ambition and holding it down as a lover and someone who could be in touch with their sensuality, their sexuality, all the juiciness of them without feeling like they wouldn't be respected in the business side of who they were. So I was like, well, let's pull this together. I live in that space of and, A-N-D in parentheses. So I was like, well, I'm a balance and relationship advisor. Like, and I won't be limited to coaching either. Coaching is just a tool that I use within my toolbox of all the tools. So that's really where that came from. Yeah, fascinating to see you, to see this journey of being in uh, the space that you were in to where you are now. And so I want to talk about selfish. We already touched upon that. Culturally, there's so much conditioning about just using this word. So by itself, the word evokes a negative response, especially for women, especially for women, right? So when you say, you know, intentionally selfish behavior is a crucial ingredient for living a full life, what do you mean? Because it just feels like I can't do this. I don't even know what she means. So yeah, talk to us about that. Yeah, this is a, a perfect conversation for today, Savitha, because as of the time of this recording, and I don't know when it'll release, 
But as of this day, I am now officially an extreme excellent world record holder. And the reason I get to do that, which it was announced at like four o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, the only reason I got to do that and to participate is because I was intentionally selfish. My, and you and I were talking in the green room before we started, I'm a reformed perfectionist, which is a form of, is a form of bondage, right? When you are so rigid that you won't put out anything, you won't do anything, you won't go anywhere, you won't jump in to anything that life is offering without being able to plan and measure and you know articulate it and all the things that we do, especially when you're ambitious, it's really hard to separate excellence from perfectionism. And the two aren't necessarily the same. They can play in the same sandbox, but they don't necessarily have to. And when I learned that, I was able to see that I was a better me, a fuller me, a more silly, playful, vibrant version of myself when I could separate, like in order to operate in excellence, which I stand behind as a woman of integrity and a woman of God, I don't have to be perfectionistic. And that's, that was a huge aha moment for, you know, lack of any colorful words that came to me when I gave myself the spaciousness to work on me. So being intentionally selfish, the way that I redefine that word specifically is giving yourself a personal, intimate gift to create your joy your way, ultimately. And having that spaciousness allows me to do my personal transformation work, to see that I am a survivor. I, I literally rejected the word survivor for so many years because I didn't want to, you know, have that label on me because it didn't look like a perfect, pretty, you know, package on so many levels. I didn't want people to pity me and and all of that. And the reality is I'm a survivor. I came from a, a hugely destructive home, sexual abuse, violence that woke me up in the morning. You name it, I experienced it on so many different levels from a young child all the way into my early teenage years. And a lot of other things after that, that wasn't about my primary home, but just me being a young parent and all the trials and tribulations my husband and I both had to go through because we've been together since we were 17 years old and friends since 13. We literally grew up together. So there was a lot of me that got lost in us as well. And I had to reclaim my power. It wasn't about him. It wasn't his fault. He has his own bag of wacky and he's an amazing man. But I also had my own. And in order for me to deal with that, I had to be selfish enough to say, wait a minute, let me give myself some time to see what, what's going on with Nikita. Who are you? Who were you meant to be? Because Right now, you're a parent and you have all these degrees and certifications and yada, yada, but you're not connected to where you're supposed to go. And I always knew my superpower, if you will, was exhorting people, lifting people up. But the way that it came out of me in my dysfunction, in my woundedness was as people pleasing and being someone who gave so much of herself that I was emotionally broke and energetically broke. And that was out of alignment with my purpose. The only way for me to get back to who I was supposed to be from the time I was stitched together in my mother's womb was for me to stop the world, literally my world, my way. And for me, that is what intentionally selfish is. Let's pause everything that's going on. I know the kids want some more time. I know my husband wants some more time. I know my siblings want me to come to more parties. I know my friends want me to come to the next you know, wedding reception, like all the things that we're called to outside of our work and our 
church duties and our volunteering, I needed to stop everything so I could have that space to be self-reflective and look at what is it that you really want in this world and what boundaries are you willing to create for yourself to get them? And for me, that's the definition of balance. It's all about admitting what I really want, not just what fire I need to blow out today, right? Because as ambitious women, we do that. It's one fire after another, and we typically can't even stop to appreciate something as magnificent as an accomplishment that we were working one, two, or five years for because there's another fire. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I closed that deal. Okay, kudos, but now I got to do all the contracts. Now I got to, right? Like, we go right into this other zone. And we don't slow ourselves down to really be excited and appreciate what we just showed up for ourselves for. And I realized that I was doing that to me. My husband wasn't doing it. The world wasn't doing it. My professors, leaders at jobs I used to work, they weren't doing it to me. They didn't put me in a box. I put myself in a box. Now, they could try to hold me in that box because I was walking around with these big box labels and, you know, so proud of it. But once I started stripping myself from that, I realized the only way for me to show up as fully as I could to be as sexy as I want to be and, you know, bodily orgasmic in the way that I play and the way that I move was for me to literally give myself permission to pause and slow down and see what I was really called forth to in the first place. I resonate on so many levels. I see myself in some of those, you know, points, inflection points. And, you know, how, how did you realize you needed to pause? Like, what was the, was there a moment that happened? Or it just like, it came upon you and you just, you're like, okay, it's coming. It's time to acknowledge it. What, how did it happen? Yeah, um, I'm a hard headed person. (laughs) Savita, I am the rebellious child who touches the stove you know, multiple times. And even though you slap my hand and said, don't do that, it's hot. I'm like, okay, as soon as you turn your head, I'm going to do it again because I want to see how hot. Like I was always that kid. And that showed up in my life in multiple ways. I would love to say that there was just like this one incident that was my aha breakthrough shift moment, but it was a lot of little shifts. The first real pause came to me when my daughter, who's now 21, my youngest, She was probably, I don't know, somewhere between seven and nine years old. Um, She's still the same height. So sometimes I get that confused. (laughs) She she loves when I point that out. She's very petite. Um, And we were sitting at a dinner table, myself, my husband, my uh, son. We were all sitting there with my daughter. We were just eating dinner. Um, We did it. We tried to do it about three times a week. And we were just chopping it up, having a conversation. And she came out of her mouth as little precocious daughters who are just like their mamas do and said something like you are so awesome mom but you are awesome for everyone else but me so first I had a visceral reaction myself I am a black mama (laughs) so when a a child of a black mama says something like that that's so provocative no matter how true it is your first reaction is who are you talking to right (laughs) like like, excuse me (laughs) that was my first and I didn't say it but that was my you know my body said it clearly. And so I looked at her and I took a second, just a breath. It wasn't even a full pause. And so what are you talking about? With all kinds of Nikita attitude, right? I'm like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, you know, daddy helps me with my homework and he's more patient with me. And, 
you're always on the phone doing work or at your computer. Like she read me up and down. And my first thing to do, as you know, most parents would probably do is jump into defending. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm taking you to recitals and soccer and this and this and that. And I'm listing out all the busyness of my schedule that she's a part of. And I use that word very intentionally. And she said, yeah, but when we're at recital, you're not with the other moms talking. You're at your laptop or in your notebook and you're writing and you're doing things. When we're in the car, you're on the phone with clients and you're talking to people. You're not talking to me. And we're in the car every day, 45 minutes each way to school. And she was right. That reality was, I was like, love you. Have a good day. Hold on. Right? Like as she's getting out the door and as she's getting in the car, shh, be quiet. I'm on the phone. Like that was absolutely my life because at her, at that time of her age, we hadn't started the business yet. I had somewhere between three and four jobs at any given time. And I was in school um, working on a doctorate at the time. There was a lot that I was doing for them, but that's not the point. Even when you're doing so many things for your children, for your family, for your parents, like all the things you're doing, what they want is more of you <laughs> at the end of the day. Even if you can only give them 20 minutes of you, a fully present 20 minutes of you makes all the difference in the world. There was just an article that came out sometime last week that said nine minutes a day of full presence changes a child's brain. Nine minutes a day from their parent. Obviously, with love and intention and joy, not nine minutes of discipline or constructive criticism, right? But nine minutes a day. And I'm not really sure I had nine minutes back then. I was multitasking on a champion level. Like that was the game. Like how many things can I pack into this 15 minutes of time over and over and over again? I wasn't stopping to go to the bathroom to take bio breaks until my bladder was about to burst. Like I was going. And it was all for the purpose in my mind was I want to give them a life that was so different than what I grew up in. I wanted them to have every opportunity, but I didn't realize what they needed more than the opportunities. And they needed the money. They needed the education. They needed those things, but they wanted me and that made the difference. So when my young child checked me, and read me, that was my reflective moment of something is off here. Something is different. It took me some time because I am hard-headed. <laughs> I was like, okay, what else can I put her in, right? <laughs> like, what, what else can I do? What else can I sign her up for? What else can I, you know, buy for her? And we weren't, we're not a very materialistic family, so it really wasn't that. Buying for her is like, get her her favorite ice cream, right? Like, those little moments. But I realized it was more than that. So that was the first aha tick in my head that registered as you need to do something different. And slowly but surely, I did things in a micro way, <laughs> different, but I wasn't selfish yet. I, I hadn't carved out the space to be intentionally selfish because I didn't understand the power of it yet. I was still a woman who very much thought selfish is bad. That's for people who don't care. Those are people who are stuck in their ego, right? instead of seeing it as a way to reclaim my power and to recalibrate and make some space for me so that when I filled all the way up with joy and laughter and power and play, what else would my family get? They get the overflow from that. My friends get the overflow from that. My clients, my coworkers, they all get that instead of me coming to their events, being resentful that I'm there because it's taking me away from 
you know, money-making activities or impacting activities when the impact was really in being present. Yeah, great story. And I, and it's not, I don't mean story in that way, but, you know, it's so interesting that children are able to point that out. And, you know, it does take time, but that may have been your starting point. But I want to ask you, when you say intentionally selfish or take time out, right, to focus on you, you are surrounded by a bunch of different feelings, right? I mean, you get a shame, guilt, anger. So how do you, you know, with all of these feelings going on, how do you actually focus on becoming intentionally selfish? Like, what do you have to do? Give me your, give me your tips. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I will say, um, because I've heard that too, I've seen the hashtags of, you know, self-care isn't selfish. And I say, oh no, if your self-care is not selfish, you're doing it wrong. It, it needs to be. It, you have to literally create the spaciousness. Now, self-care doesn't necessarily, because I do feel like self-care is the doing and self-love is the being, right? When you're being with yourself and able to look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that I, I love you, you're worthy, you're deserving, you're vivacious, you're gorgeous, you know, dimples and stretch marks and all of it. Like, it's yummy. Like when you can do that, that's the self-love. And self-care sometimes really does feel like busyness if we're not careful, because we'll start to add too many other people, too many other things, very similar to what I did with my children when they were younger. I had them in every activity, right? Like you are going to be (laughs) well-rounded. Like you're going (laughs) to have all these experiences. And sometimes we do that with our self-care. We're like, I got to get a mani-pedi. I have to go to the so-and-so place with five girlfriends and I have to have the brunch and I have to, you know, make sure that I take take a nap for 20 minutes, not 30. It has to be 20, right? (laughs) Like we do all these things that feel like a checklist of more things to do. And by the time you're done your self-care day, you're exhausted and not in a good rejuvenated way. And that's because typically when we do it that way, it's because it wasn't intentionally selfish. So The definition that I gave you, the personal intimate gift to create your joy, gift is the acronym, which is the tools for how to do it. So gift is G-I-F-T. And if you allow me, I'll share with the listeners what that means. So the G is in being grateful. And we all know how powerful gratitude can be to raise your vibration and to help you heal. The G for me is not hiding behind gratitude. Because as women, that's what we'll do. We'll say, oh, well, how dare I? I have all this. I have this life. I have this love. I have this career, this leadership, this business, whatever it is that I have. And then we limit ourselves to feeling like we shouldn't dare ask for more. We're not entitled to more because that feels selfish in the old definition. And I'm like, don't hide behind your gratitude. You were meant to be limitless. You were meant to be unconquerable, to be victorious in whatever you focused on with the right will and intention. And I say that very specifically because, yeah, if you say, well, my my focus is to be the world's greatest pimp, I mean, that's not very helpful, right? (laughs) Yeah, you could, you probably could accomplish it if you really focused on it. But is that impacting the world in a positive way? So I think when it aligns with what the universe is trying to get you to do at the end of the day, like pulling you forth towards your purpose, everything goes in the direction that it's supposed to. Even those lessons that look like failure, 
They're all for strengthening you and preparing you. So the G is don't hide behind gratitude. If you're listening to this and you find yourself feeling like, I I can't ask for more. My family can't handle more. That was definitely an issue for me. Like, could they even handle me starting a business in the first place? That was a huge hesitation for the first two years that my vision came in 2009. I didn't start my company until 2011. I was petrified with all that was on my plate as a doctoral student and working multiple jobs and doing my clinical residencies and all of it. I'm like, they have no, my family has no room for me to do more. So how dare I, who do I think I am to ask for more when more was exactly what I was called to do in a different way, in a very aligned way. And I had to get out of my way to see the alignment because I was trying to control it with my perfectionism right? Like, oh, well, it must look like this. It must be this ABC plan. And if anyone listening to this is an entrepreneur, you know, there is no direct way (laughs) to get there because the zigzag and the loop back and the fall down is all a part of the process. So I would say first and foremost, be very mindful about whether or not you are playing small and dimming your light because you're hiding behind gratitude. So that's the first step for being intentionally selfish. The second is the I. The I is imagining. When was the last time any of you listening to this just allowed yourself five minutes to just play in your imagination? What does the world look like? What does space look like in your mind? What does light coming out of the ethers of the multiverse look like when it's pouring into your being and cleansing your soul and bringing purity into you? When's the last time you thought about when you were five and you wanted to be, I don't know, a firewoman or an astronaut or a brain surgeon, when you had no idea what it would take, when was the last time you played in that space again of like, well, what do those things look like now when I'm actually a behavioral scientist or I'm actually an engineer? Even though I said when I was five and I had no limitations that I would do these other very broad, bold things, Why did you want to do that at five? It doesn't mean that that's what you were meant to do, but you had no restriction in your imagination when you were younger. We put restrictions on ourselves because other people started to tell us, you can't do that. What are you thinking? That's hard. That's, you're not going to make any money in that. Why would you want to do that? You'll never get any sleep, right? Like we had all these other people's fear vomited on us and literally covered us and anchored us like a sinkhole, like pushing us down into complacency. And so we got stuck there and we just, you know, went along to get along and said, well, I'll do what makes sense for most people. But what about what makes sense for you? Because there's a lot of dead people in the ground, Savitha, that had amazing ideas they never acted on. And there's a lot of people that could have been healed and helped and elevated with their ideas, but they stayed small. They stay complacent and I just don't vibe with that. So just allow yourself to imagine what life can be. Take that 10 minutes, be selfish enough to give yourself that five to 10 minutes and say, let me just play in my head. You can write it out. You can sketch it. You can draw it. You can color it. You can get real serious and pull out some Legos. Like Legos are the best when you can, you know, get tangible and get your hands in it or Play-Doh, but just play. For five to 10 minutes, it really does open you up in so many different ways. And the F in gift is forgiveness, specifically self-forgiveness. It's really important for you to forgive you for not being fully who you were meant to be before this moment. 
I know a lot of us are sitting here because I was the other person listening to podcasts like this before listening like, oh, well, I mean, I, I did all the forgiveness work. I forgave my ex-boyfriend and my, my, my previous platonic friend from kindergarten when she stole my cookie. And I, you know, like I forgave all the people because for, for those of us who are spiritual, it's for most people, it's a part of your journey to do the forgiveness work of other people. Where that falls short is we often are still carrying in the weight of those pains because we didn't forgive ourselves for allowing it to happen. And often we'll say, well, you know, I didn't really allow it to happen, but in our minds, we are blaming ourselves. Why did I choose that lover? Why did I partner with that person? Why did I sign that contract, (laughs) right? Like, why did I do that? Why did I even let her become my friend? Like, We'll say that we didn't allow it. We know it was their, their fault, their issue. But there is a huge part of us that is shaming ourselves and hiding. And shame creates more secrecy. It makes you play smaller because it's a weight. It is an anchor around your throat, holding you down deeper and deeper. And the only way to unlock it and shake it is to do the self-forgiveness work. And you can literally start that. For those of you who can see this, grab a mirror, look at yourself take about two minutes, like right after you brush your teeth, you want to do it at a time that's connected to a normal ritual in your life. Most of us brush our teeth twice a day or wash your face, you know, whatever. But like right after that or right before it, just look in your mirror and just start talking to yourself and start saying, I love you. You are perfect the way you are. I forgive you for everything that you did intentionally and unintentionally. I love you to the core of you. As you age with grace and with wisdom, you are worthy and deserving of more. There are no limits on the possibilities of you. And say more to yourself or less, whatever works for you. But don't allow yourself to pull out of it by focusing on your imperfections. I've had a lot lot of women do this at different retreats that we've done in person or even virtually. And as soon as they hold the mirror, they'll say, oh, I didn't see that. I got a a new freckle or, oh, my goodness, my face is blotchy or, oh, my God. They start looking at the imperfections. I'm like, wait a minute. Your your brain is hearing this. Your subconscious is holding on to this negativity like, oh, the first thing that you think is wrong or you start laughing out of nervousness because you're not fully committed to pouring into yourself. You have to rewire your own brain. No one can do that for you. People can guide you through the process, but no one can actually do the rewiring for you. You have to rewire for yourself. And the T and gift, the last, you know, specific letter slash part of the acronym is about taking action. You got to start moving forward. Create an hour a week if that's all you have. I take a six-week self-levocation every summer. Every single summer, this is, I think, the eighth year that we're in right now for 2022 of me doing it, and another three weeks towards the end of the year, specifically to recalibrate, to pour into myself. I'm a minister, so I do a lot of fasting, a lot of intercessory prayer for others. My self-lovecation is a very layered mix of loving on other people energetically not necessarily physically in the moment. I don't share a lot of physical space with people during my time for repowering and recalibrating myself. But I definitely, because I'm an intercessor intercessor and a prayer warrior, I'm calling you out by name. 
I'm making sure that I'm thinking about you and your family and your business. And I'm doing that daily. And then I have seven to 10 days where it's not about calling out anyone else's name. It's not about brunch with my friend or making love with my husband or a, you know, a quick getaway, which all of those things get rolled into that six weeks. For seven to 10 days, every single self-levocation, it's literally me and my God in fellowship so that I can feel deeply connected in the most intimate way when there's nothing on my calendar but me and my God. And that's really important and powerful. I also recognize that not everyone can take the six weeks. So it's not a shaming or blaming or persecuting if you can't. I had to build up to, to that too. The first time I tried that, Sabbath, oh my goodness. I think I tried a two to four week version of that. And the first two weeks, I found myself just doing work because I didn't know how to like turn it off. Like, oh, you're not, I didn't have any calls scheduled but I was writing and updating software and, you know, doing all the things and it didn't feel good. It felt like autopilot. And I didn't want to be an autopilot because autopilot means that I'm not paused. It means I'm still moving and going in the same way. So I won't see the bumps in the road because I've always been going over the bumps in the road. And those are normal potholes along my life. I wanted an opportunity to literally slow down so that I could speed up in a more powerful and more aligned way. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Thank you so much for breaking it down so beautifully. It's easy to do. Anyone who's listening to this can do it right away. So. Thank you for sharing that. My, as we move on, I'm loving this conversation so far. I do have, I do want to ask you, I know we touched upon this earlier. When we say selfish, women respond differently. And when we say selfish, you know, it's different for men. Let's talk about that a little bit. And what have you observed in your own work when it comes to how men and women uh, react and respond to the word selfish? It's quite interesting, actually. So I work with a lot of power couples as well as separately the married women entrepreneurs that want to do their own healing work, you know, apart from their mates, their forever lovers, as we call them. And the women typically have such a challenge with reframing in the beginning. They're like, oh, you know, I might feel comfortable privately with you one-on-one or in a small group of other women that also vibe with this. But when I'm out with my family or friends or In my other circles, I find myself not being able to claim being intentionally selfish or not being able to do it. The husbands, the men that we work with, listen, they have no issue. Usually by the second session, they're like, oh yeah, so I was intentionally selfish today, Nikita, and this is what I did. (laughs) They have no issue where the women might be somewhere between six and 12 sessions later before they can really, you know, fully own their right to literally reclaim that. And what I realized over the last few years of working with them in this way is men are programmed differently. They're raised by their mothers to be loved on and to see their worth very early. And I'm speaking general because obviously we know that there are exceptions, but most of the men are like, yeah, you're great. You're good. Like they were, they were poured in. They were told to go for more, do more make room for themselves. Oh, you better slow down so you can really make room for that next big thing that you really want to do. The women 
are literally raised to nurture other people. It's not about them. When they're one and two years old, they're playing with the doll babies and they're being told like, oh no, this is how you take care of your baby. This is what you have to do. Oh, oh, you have another sibling that just came out a year or two under you or maybe even over you, but you're the girl of the family. You're the one catering to the boys in the family. You're the one cleaning up after them and making sure they do things right. We're automatic, most of us, and again, I'm making a generalization because I know that there are exceptions, but for the most part, we're programmed to give. It's just give, give, give. And it's no, there's no ending to the give. You give until you're energetically broke the way that I was or emotionally broke or wounded and done. And you're in a hospital with an IV in your arm for a week. And that's the only time you get a break. Or when you had a baby and you actually get six weeks off, you're like, Whoa, <laughs> I have a little bit of a break, but how is that a break? You're nurturing someone else and your body's, you know, in, in need of major repair after doing such labor. But typically, Being devastatedly sick or pushing out a child is the only time, even amongst and between other women, that it's okay to slow down. For men, like, please, on the other side, they're like, oh, you know, I just had to take a day. I went to the golf court. We were there for five hours, right? Like they, They know how to slow down for the most part. And these are even the men that are super ambitious and they're always have their phone in their hand and their laptops. They may do all the things, but when they take a break, they know how to take a break. When we take a break, we're looking at who can we invite into our break? Oh, well, you know what? I haven't talked to my best friend in a month. I need to, oh, my, my girls have to spend the day with me. Oh, you know what? Mm, maybe I should take my laptop with me. Like we're constantly bringing other people and things into our quiet time, men will absolutely shut everything down. And if it's not about refueling, they will, they will pause it. They'll walk away. So it is really interesting how the two are so different in their processing of being intentionally selfish. As you're speaking, I'm smiling because everything is so true. And where I am from in India, we celebrate the birth of boy child. Before we kind of go into my, as we Go towards the end of the interview. I know that you share a mathematical formula that allows you to create balance and joy in every area of your life. What does that look like? If you can share that briefly with us, so as to not give it all away, because we do want everyone going into your book as well. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. So I'll give you the whole formula for joy because we we started with the formula for balance. But if anyone's listening to this and has a moment to break out a pen, it's probably the, the easiest thing to do because it is a formula for sure. So it starts with balance. The formula for balance is T, like Tom, over B, like boy. It's like a fraction, T over B. That's admitting the truth of what you really want over the boundaries that you will create to achieve that truth as your reality. So if I say I'm a mogul in the making, it, you know, that's, that's my truth that I'll be a multi-billionaire empire owner, then I have to create boundaries around time for my spiritual refueling, which for me, this faith is the center of everything. I have to create boundaries around my personal habits. I need space to, you know, work out and eat healthy. And I have to make sure I have room for that. It's not okay for Nikita to go 16 hours without peeing again. Like that's, <laughs> that's not okay. And in mid-40s, the bladder is not set up for that either. So (laughs) there's also considerations. 
but also just for the health of me. I don't want to get to that mogul status and be broke down and not able to, you know, really enjoy all the excitement that I created. So the the personal habits, your boundaries, um, having room for your perspective, breaking expectations from your old self, like old Nikita had to let go of being a perfectionist in order to make room for the excellence that was on the other side, all of those things. So there's like areas of the boundaries, but it's basically T over B for balance, plus <laughs> your healthy relationships times your intimacy squared. That all together is how you create your joy. You have to go deeper. Intimacy is more than sex. Sex is amazing when it's healthy and it's consensual, but it's one part. There's 12 different parts of intimacy and you want to get deeper. You want to play more. You want to be able to communicate intimately and have those tougher, crucial conversations. You want to be able to see the world differently and have aesthetic intimacy, which is being able to appreciate the beauty of things. There's so many others. So I say square it so you can go deeper. And it's not just about, oh, well, you know, did I touch a hand? Did I look someone in the eyes? Those are like micro movements, but intimacy is so much more about deepening the connection. That's literally the definition of it, deepen connection. And then we can get into like the juicy parts of the juiciness. But if you do T over B plus having those healthy relationships, which does mean you have to evaluate who's in your life. What position are they in? Do you have people that are in a room and at the table of your heart, your life and your business decisions that really should be in the parking lot, that really should not be in your inner room at your table, right? Of your innermost secrets and thoughts. Like some people were there because you were friends for 25 years. What have they given to you? They might've taken more than they've given. There's no reciprocity or maybe there's very little reciprocity. So evaluating your relationships so that they are healthy and repositioning, maybe exiting people. I know that that's tough, but that's a part of it. But if you're willing to do that, admit what you really want, create those boundaries, do the work to create healthy relationships and square your intimacy, you've created your joy. And that's the full formula. That's the perfect formula. And I'm looking forward to evaluating and and looking at my own life from through the lens of the formula, right, that you just shared. And now, Nikita, I want to bring it to you. A day in your life, what does it look like? Yes, yes. So today's different because it was it started at 3.40 this morning. So we could all jump on for a 4 a.m. call to hear, you know, if we actually achieve the extreme excellence world record. But normally that it wouldn't quite look like that. A normal day for me, because I am an intercessor, I allow my spirit to wake me up whenever it's necessary to pray. So I can wake up anywhere from two to three times for roughly 15 minutes to a half an hour to pray. And I'm usually called to pray very specifically. I don't get out of the bed to pray. I'll just lay there and I'm very intentional about listening and hearing and feeling the guidance and pushing out whatever word that I need to on behalf of whoever. And then I usually fully arise at a little after six o'clock to my husband has made me a beautiful cup of peppermint tea. He's at work before me and he's listening for me to wake up because I'm a little vocal. I'm the person that makes a little noise like uh, mm, mm, as I'm stretching. I wake up to peppermint tea at my bedside with my vitamin D to make sure that I have it because he's very thoughtful and compassionate. 
I will have a little bit of a conversation for 15 or 20 minutes before I start to move into journaling, working out, having my hygiene routine. I try not to look at my phone for work-related things before 8 a.m. The first place that I look is my WhatsApp because those are where my private clients are communicating with me. And then I come up to my desk and I'm usually ready to dive into whatever my day is, which typically looks like today where it's about three to four interviews a day, maybe one or two sessions, a little bit of back office team and administrative work. I try not to have more than five to six hours of contact time so I can, you know, break up from that a little bit and have space to pull my energy back in. Because you know, you give a lot of energy when you're with people, even virtually. No matter how much fun you're having, it's still a lot of energy. So I want to call that energy back into myself. Obviously, I'm drinking all my water and drinking tea and everything throughout the day. I'm not a big eater. I'm more of a snacker throughout the day. And dinner is my main meal before I shut down for the end of the day. And we're either walking with my daughter's new puppy (laughs) or my husband and I are taking a romantic walk in our neighborhood just to relax, get some fresh air or we're sitting on the balcony and just chopping it up for about an hour. I am an early bird, like super early. Usually by eight o'clock, I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> by nine, nine thirty, I'm probably snoring. I don't think I snore, but I might be. <laughs> and I'm done for the night. So that's a, that's a typical day for me. Thank you. Thank you for so much for sharing that. And I, before I let you go, it's been a great conversation so far. So I have to ask you for our audiences, plus women for what's your advice to uh, women in the workplace, women who are just starting, who are entrepreneurs or who are just launching their business. What's a piece of advice that, or your message to them that you'd like to share? I would honestly say the first thing you have to do for wherever you are, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or not. And even if you're a brave man that's listening to this is really sit with yourself for just two minutes and put your hand, your right hand over your heart and just breathe, just sit and breathe. And as you're breathing, listen to what's going on in your body. Trauma lives in the body. And so does anxiety and all the challenges. It's like, just listen, what's happening with me. So I know that when I am intentionally selfish, I know what work I have to do. I know what's going on. You won't know that if you're just running and you're booked and busy all the time. Just slow it down. Listen to your breathing. There's something called triangle breathing where you can breathe in four seconds, hold four seconds, and exhale four seconds deeply. And do that if you can, if you're really bold, try to do it for about five minutes straight. You're literally recalibrating your parasympathetic nervous system. You're lowering your cortisol and you're increasing your oxytocin. All of that from five minutes of deep breathing. So if you can do anything, just do that. And then we can get to giving yourself that gift that we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. And Nikita, before I let you go, how do we find you? I know that your book is for everyone listening. Her book is available on Amazon. You can get it on your Kindle. Anything else? How does our audience get in touch with you that you'd like to share? We'll be dropping all the links, of course. Yeah, of course. I would say my favorite platform to play on is LinkedIn. So come over LinkedIn, send me a direct message. Let me know you heard me right here on this podcast with Savitha. I would love to give her a shout out for that. Let's have virtual tea if it makes sense. If you're curious about the work work that we do, 
go to thigpro.com and there's a calendar access there that you can get on my schedule and we can see if you're ready to activate your joy. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to be sharing all of that. And with that, thank you so much. It's been it's been a really interesting conversation. I didn't realize how much time has gone by. And I look forward to staying connected, following your journey and uh, cheering you on. And all the very best to you. I look forward to um, being in touch. And I hopefully we'll bring you back. I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, for another part two. And thank you so much for your time and for being so generous with your time with us today. I'm so honored. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.